0: Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is looking at our way-too-early contenders or pretenders. So Jalen and I are looking at six teams, and we're going to determine if they are contenders or pretenders early in the season. So we're going to look at the Philadelphia 76ers, the Miami Heat, the Boston Celtics, the Utah Jazz, the Phoenix Suns, and the Dallas Mavericks. So Jalen, let's start with the Philadelphia 76ers. Contender or Pretender?
1: Contender for sure. I think the biggest thing with this is just the fact that Joel Embiid is balling. Um, they're five and zero when Joel Embiid plays. Like, I think that's just just to tell you everything you need to know about what the potential of this team is so far this year. Um, I was looking into some stuff on Joel Embiid the other day, and the, the one of the biggest things that I pulled away from not only how he's playing this season, but just overall the overall track record of a guy like Doc Rivers, right? He has a track record of helping develop all-star caliber bigs. Let's take a look at some of the guys that are on his docket. Easy one. Uh, about to be about to be elected into the Hall of Fame in Kevin Garnett. Blake Griffin, who, when healthy, was a top five player in the NBA, maybe a top 10 player in the NBA. DeAndre Jordan, who was a constant athletic freak, posterizing people, um, and was maybe – Maybe I was, you know, even over Blake Griffin, one of the biggest representations of that Lob City team, uh, especially after what happened uh, to Brandon Knight, R.I.P. Brandon Knight. And then of course you take a look at uh at a guy like Tobias Harris, who when he was on the Clippers, arguably had his best season since entering the league you know, under Doc Rivers. um, Not necessarily the center or power forward position, but still a guy who plays between small forward and power forward. So he's in a big man role. So I think the biggest thing with Joel Embiid right now is that you can see the development is there to a certain extent. He's playing on both sides of the floor, which we know he has the capability of doing. And this team is playing with an overall swag right now that kind of gives you the inkling and the indication that they hear they hear, hear and heard all of the rumbles about them not being a big factor in the Eastern Conference this year with the rise of teams like Boston. Obviously, Milwaukee was always there because of Giannis, the rise of Atlanta, different things like that. And people were just pegging them, including us, um, as a middle-of-the-pack Eastern Conference team that would be somewhere around four or five and probably end up facing like Indiana in the first round. I think that they know that they're a better team than that roster wise. And so far they're playing like it. I think it's really that simple for them right now. And I think that's what makes them dangerous as a playoff team, because when you play up to the kind of talent they have on the roster with guys like Seth Curry and Danny Green, Danny Green's not playing as well so far this year, but playing to the potential that we know they are within their roles, playing their roles being the most important statement when it comes to Philly too, because last year they really didn't have, well-defined roles. I think defined roles plus all-star caliber talent equals dangerous team in the playoffs, meaning contender. I
0: am also agreeing and saying that Philadelphia is a contender. Their offseason was impressive, and I think they improved on shooting when they needed shooting. Seth Curry, for example, has been a great addition to this team. I think Tobias Harris is shooting the ball well. Ben Simmons is shooting threes, and he's making threes at a high level. And Joel Embiid, of course, is playing at an all-star level like he has done for most of his career. I think also if you see a guy like Tyrese Maxey, I think he's shown flashes that he can be a valuable asset to this team. I think adding a guy like Doc Rivers, a guy who has been to the postseason before, helps with building a team to become a contender again. Because, Jalen, like we said last year, Philadelphia was more of a middle-of-the-pack Eastern Conference team. But things are different this year. They're 5-1 and one right now. And I think that this team has a real chance of making the Eastern Conference finals in a loaded conference right now.
1: Yeah, I think that they are in a position right now, when you look at Philly, that says – here here's their biggest thing here's here's what will be the definition or the defining stat for Philly this year and maybe it's not as big of a deal because of the whole situation with fans and things of that nature but last year this was a team that was horrible on the road horrible on the road it was like night and day when it came to playing on their home floor versus playing in, in a, someone else's building, their ability to win on the road is going to tell us a lot about what they can do in the playoffs, because I think matchups are going to matter. We've seen that every single time that they've run into a cerebral um, coach led team, they're a team that is at a, at a disadvantage. Now I think that's a bit different now with Doc River, Doc Rivers in the, um in the, the driver's seat, as opposed to Brett Brown, but I think the the biggest thing for them is schematically they always tend to run into teams that they they are better than from a talent standpoint, but tend to be out coached. Now that the coaching floor is a bit more even, maybe even significantly more even than in, in the past, I think their biggest thing they need to address is being able to win on the road because that was honestly their biggest struggle last year outside of the coaching issues that they were facing and injuries of course, but we know how that goes. So
0: moving on to the Miami heat, Jalen
1: contender or pretender. I gotta be honest. I I hate this. I hate this because I hate doubting the Miami heat the way I'm about to right now, but I, I genuinely think pretender. And I think the biggest thing is right now, Jimmy Butler is in a position where they need him to play more aggressively. I think, I think Stephen A. Smith said it a couple of, a couple of days or a couple of weeks ago on first take where he was discussing the fact that Jimmy Butler is trying to be a people pleaser. You can see that he's trying to play within this distributive, pass the ball around, get everybody involved kind of offensive leader that he's trying to become. And that's not Jimmy. Jimmy is Jimmy G buckets, Jimmy G buckets, as in G go means gets like that's, that's, That's who he is, and right now he he so far hasn't been playing like that. Is coming off of the bubble being the the superhero that he was in the bubble um, taking his toll on him, potentially? Is he trying to build his team up in a way that they can make another potential playoff run? Maybe. But in, in the conjunction of that, outside of the fact that obviously Jimmy has missed a game here and there, is they're asking Bam Adebayo to be even better than he was last year. And they're asking Tyler Hero to somehow become that third all-star caliber player on their team when for most of the year, Tyler Hero wasn't even the best rookie on their team last year. And now they're taking, I think the Miami Heat are a team that I don't want to call them a flash in the pan, but I think they're a team that smelt themselves a little bit too much coming off of an NBA finals appearance that was relatively unprecedented and they're asking guys who played well within constrained uh, constrained, and confined circumstances in the NBA bubble to now take that and transfer that into a 72-game cir- uh, set of circumstances. And I just don't think you can do that. I just don't think that's a reliable option moving forward. And I think with that, Miami is in a weird place where They have guys needing to play out of body, and I just don't know if they can do that for 72 games.
0: I have to disagree. I think this team's a contender. I think Miami is a team, like I said in previous episodes, I think they have the ability to go back to the finals. They were luckily able to retain a guy like Goran Dragic, but you're right. I do think that there needs to be more improvement from a guy like Tyler Hero. We've seen that improvement so far from Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn. I feel like as the season progresses, we're going to see the improvement of a guy like Tyler Hero. The signings of Avery Bradley and Mo Harkless as well, I think they boost up shooting and defense. I think that with, with a guy like Eric Spolstra, who has the finals experience, I know the record doesn't show it. Miami's a struggling team right now, and Jimmy Butler has missed a couple games due to injury. But Miami, when healthy, is still a dangerous team in this conference. And I feel like this team and what they were able to do last season, I think they have the capability of being able to capitalize on that success last year. Especially since they got slightly better with the additions of Avery Bradley and Mo Harkless.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. I think you're right, right? I think talent-wise, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Goran Drogic, who I think is still slept on in all of this. I, Like I said, I hate this because everything in my gut, similar to like messing around with Indiana, says please don't doubt this team because the minute you start doubting this team, they will catch you slipping and make you eat your words. But, Ryan, I, I first of all, I just don't know how you go about doing it. This team, similar to Denver, made an unprecedented run and is so far in the early stages of the season feeling the repercussions of said run. We saw this with the Portland Trail Blazers last season. I mentioned that in one of our uh, big overreaction takeaway uh, episodes a, a week or two ago i'm I'm just really wondering whether or not this team is in the position off a shorter off season in unprecedented times coming off of the the roller coaster ride that was the n b a playoffs last year on the road to the finals. if this is a team that is truly going to be able to bounce back after everything that we saw last year, but you might be right and no having Jimmy Butler makes them extremely dangerous. But he's got to play up to the guy that we know he is, not whoever the guy we're seeing so far.
0: Moving on to the Boston Celtics jailing, contender or pretender?
1: So I I think they're a contender, but ironically enough, I think that this this is gonna have a lot more to do with Kimball Walker down the, the down the pipeline. So I think this is like a TBD situation. But I if I have to say right now, I think they're a contender, and I think it's because. Jalen Brown is emerging as a person, as as a player on this team, that people need to start need to start the argument up of whether or not he's the best player on the roster. I'm serious. Like Jalen Brown is playing out of his mind right now, and if he's not an All Star by the end of this by the by the middle portion of this season, when it comes time to make the votes, you're not watching NBA basketball. You are simply picking names out of the hat based on players you know off 2K, because otherwise. You are tripping if you don't have Jalen Brown somewhere in the poll, if not selected as an all-star this year, just based off what we've seen already. I think that with Jalen Brown taking a significant step in the absence of a guy like Gordon Hayward, with Jason Tatum still being the guy who he is, with Marcus Smart being a guy who I think is going to pick up steam over the course of the year when his role is reduced back to just simply being another ball handler and a guy who can just play lockdown defense. You get Kemba back healthy. I think they're dangerous. I think what's scary about Boston, though, in terms of being a contender is out of all the teams that we've discussed so far, I think they're the team that, scary enough, might not have the, the most depth when it comes to their team. You know what I'm saying? So far, I would say when you look at Philly and Miami, I look at them and say, they at least have more guys down the line past the top five where you go, okay, this team can kind of eat. When you look at Boston, that's ironically, in years past, this hasn't been the issue. In years past, the question was, where is everybody going to get their minutes from? This year, it's, well, Lord, how long do we have to take the starters off the court? Like, you know, it's a complete night and day situation. So like I said, I think it's TBD. Because Kemba's health and what they do going into the trade deadline, how guys like Tristan Thompson phases, uh, phases closer into this team in terms of being an actual cog, different things like that over the course of the year will tell us a lot. I think this is a team that by the all-star break, we will either be calling the East a, a top three team in the East or a team that might be on on upset watch in the first round. I think by, by all-star break time, we will know.
0: Jalen, Boston is a pretender. They have the coach in Brad Stevens. They made a good signing to get Tristan Thompson. But, Jalen, the championship window is closing on this team, and I'm afraid it might have already closed. I feel like the depth that we thought this team had, they no longer have it. I feel like they're not getting a lot of production off the bench right now with, or outside of guys like Jeff Teague and Robert Williams. But those two are the only guys that are really the experienced players on their bench. They have a lot of young guys on their bench right now. I'm talking about Peyton Pritchard, Grant Williams, Carson Edwards, Javante Green, Tremont Waters, Taco Fall. Those are just a few of the guys that I'm naming. Like there's not a lot of experience coming off the bench. They also don't have Kemble Walker, which for all the reasons that you mentioned, Jalen, this is a huge loss to Boston. I mentioned the value of Kemble Walker in the Eastern Conference point guards episode that we were talking about, sure. and you can kind of see right now that there's a huge hole in the Celtics offense right now, and Kemble Walker is the guy that's usually out there as the glue so to say of this Celtics offensive scheme and you can kind of see that the Celtics really need Kemba on the floor because as this championship window closes the more I feel like the Celtics are becoming a middle of the pack eastern conference team
1: yeah I mean It's hard to call them a pretender this early in the year with that kind of talent that they do have specifically in those two young guys in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. It's also dangerous to say that the title window has closed when you have two guys that young on your team. But I do, to a certain extent, agree with you. I mean, one of my overreactions on that episode was that I'm scared that the, the Boston Celtics capped in 2018. So I don't necessarily disagree with you, right? It's just that, is it too early to tell? And that's why I said, like, it's a TBD situation. Um, Jeff Teague isn't even the second best guard on their team right now in terms of guys available. It actually is Peyton Peyton Pritchard. Peyton Pritchard is actually playing better than Jeff Teague when he's on the floor. Um, He's actually doing better than literally almost every category, which is sick to say because – Jeff Teague was supposed to be their "quote unquote" backup point guard solution, and the guy you took late in the first round, who was projected to be a second-round pick, is now your second-most productive point guard. Sorry, Boston, but like that's the circumstances that we're in. So, like I said before, I, I, I tend—if I'm going based off my overreactiveness—I tend to lean in your direction. If I'm going based off of logic and factoring in the fact that they have two young guys that are, you know, under 26, 26, 27 years old that are still taking significant strides in the NBA, both all star caliber players, and they still need to work in guys like Tristan Thompson, who's newly added to the roster, and Kimball Walker isn't playing. I tend to want to see what this team looks like when at full strength before jumping the gun. And so I'm projecting here when I say that they're contenders, but like I said, I think by the all-star break, we will know a lot about what this team actually is. And that's either a potential first round upset or a team that can go all the way in the East. So moving
0: on to the Western conference, the Utah jazz Jalen contender or pretender.
1: So I have them as a contender, man, and this is one of those things with Utah that just like I can't, I can't let go of what Utah is. Utah's 4-2 and two right now. Mike Colley had a crazy 33-point 30, 30, game um, a couple of days ago, and um, they're in a position right now, I mean, bro, bro, th- this, this team, when we're talking about lineups, when we're talking about overall lineup talent, right? Bogdanovich back from injury, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley. I like, jo- I like Joe Ingles. They were able to get Jordan Clarkson back. They were- Royce O'Neal, I think, is a player for them, I- at least defensively. I think he's a good defensive presence along with the fact that he definitely provides a rebounding. I don't know if he's a guy that you're looking to score, but shoot, when you got Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and Mike Conley on top of Uh, Bogdanovich, Bojan Bogdanovich, I think that you got to have enough in the scoring department to not need to ask Royce O'Neal to do anything more than play defense and rebound. And then you bring back a guy in Derek Favors, who really, his best times in the NBA came as a member of the Utah Jazz. And his little stint with New Orleans was cute but we know that he fits better as a secondary big man behind or next to a guy in Rudy Gobert. So, I think this is a team that goes a smooth 7-8 deep. And I mean, when you have that kind of when you have that kind of firepower, we have to remember the rotations get shortened in the playoffs and 7-8 deep might be as far as you go. And if you mean to tell me that they have that kind of talent on the roster, there's no way I can't, I can't put them in as a potential playoff team. And I mean, you know, I mean, going beyond that, I don't even think it's about whether or not they make the playoffs. It's about seeding for them. Because I think their matchup is going to mean a lot to them because coming off of that matchup against Denver where it just seemed like they were outmatched, I think they know that with Bogdanovich, they match up better with a team like Denver. But I also think that overall, they're a team that's that depending on what the matchup looks like, they're dangerous against almost anybody. So I think Utah is so versatile that, they, that they're definitely a contender in the Western Conference. But to be determined in terms of what moves forward in terms of guys like Jordan Clarkson, potentially not being on the trade market to be able to get somebody bigger. But I think as of right now, they have the kind of depth that makes them dangerous long-term. I absolutely
0: agree with you. And I think that Utah is definitely a contender. I think the jazz have been a staple of the playoffs in the Western conference for a long time. And I think this could be the year where they may have a chance to make the conference finals. They just got Bojan back which is a huge asset to this team on both sides of the floor especially in terms of perimeter shooting Jordan Clarkson has proven to give you scoring off the bench I think Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley they've been the one-two punch in the backcourt and I think that they're proving to be maybe not only the most underrated backcourt in the entire league but maybe a top five backcourt in the entire league Rudy Gobert is still the same defensive center that we've seen from him time and time again. Could be a guy that ends up winning defensive player of the year this season. I think Derek Favors is a, a good compliment to Rudy Gobert coming off the bench. I think that he's, he's fit with this Utah offensive and defensive scheme very well, mainly because he, he knows it. He's been here before. Royce O'Neill and Joe Angles, I think, are also valuable assets coming off the bench. I feel like that Utah is a team that can really make a run, especially with teams like the Denver Nuggets having a slow start.
1: Yeah, I I, I think I think you put it perfectly. I think Utah is a team right now that has significantly looked itself in the mirror and said that we were a team that was on the cusp of the second round and <clears throat> we were missing uh, a 20-point-per-game score, which we can't, like, sleep on that. Like, this was a guy in Bogdanovich who averaged 20 points per game for them coming from Indiana and pretty much maintained maintained similar productivity despite being in a, a different role than what he was asked to do in Indiana for the Pacers. So I think they smelt themselves with that and also took into consideration the fact that this year – needed to be a big move year considering that donovan mitchell just signed his extension which means the clock is ticking on how long they'll be able to hold on to a, to an all-star caliber player like that and with that being the factor i think that they know that they're on the clock and i think their team is going to play like they know they have a short window so jalen we're moving on now to the phoenix
0: suns do you believe they are a contender or a pretender
1: Early season jitters, but I'm going to say pretenders for now. And I think this is just simply because of the fact that they are relying on a lot of guys to be a lot better than they might actually be or asking them to develop a lot quicker, quicker than a typical playoff team would like young guys to move at, you know what I mean? Um, Or a typical non-playoff team would want them to move at. Like typically there's a, Two to three year process. This would probably be their third year in terms of guys like Mikael Bridges, second year for a guy like Cam, um, Cam Johnson. But and those are two guys that are giving them a lot of production. Um, obviously, the three headed monster is Booker, Paul, Aiton, and I think that is a playoff caliber trio. But in terms of talking about being actual championship contenders. I think they're asking a lot of younger guys to – here's a better way to phrase it. The, the the Phoenix Suns have the kind of upside that Miami had last year. That's how I look at the Phoenix Suns. You have three guys who are extremely dangerous. For Miami, it was – for them, I would say – that specifically last year, it was Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and then Goran Dragic. I think Tyler Hero had a very good postseason, and I think Duncan Robinson played relatively well. But Goran Dragic was their leading scorer in the playoffs and was the model of consistency. I think Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Aiton can be that similar, you know, grouping as what Miami had. But similar to Miami, but in a what may much tough, tougher conference, they're asking their younger guys similar to how they were asking guys like Duncan Robinson and others to step up and kind of play out of body they're asking guys like Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson so on and so forth to kind of do the same thing and I think that's kind of difficult not only to replicate but to specifically replicate in the Western Conference so I think they're a playoff caliber team. I'm not saying that they're, they're some kind of team that's going to somehow fall off when you have that kind of talent. But if we're talking about strictly being a championship contender, I, I, I think they're asking too much of their young guys and they need one or two more pieces uh, veteran-wise in their depth to really move the needle for me. I
0: was leaning contender but I'm going to say TBD. I feel like it is too early to call and too early to see if the Phoenix Suns are a contender right now. I, I do think they're showing flashes that they are. They have six guys right now. that are averaging double digits and scoring Devin Booker right now is showing flashes that he can be the MVP this season. And that was actually one of my hot takes going into this season that Devin Booker would, would win the MVP he still has that capability, and he's showing flashes of that this season. I think DeAndre Ayton's improving as a center, and I think this kind of furthers the narrative for me that any team that has Chris Paul becomes instantly better. I think Chris Paul improves the, the playoff chances of any team that he goes to, and I think this is just another example of that. He went to Oklahoma City and helped them become a playoff team. I know it's early in the season, but Chris Paul is doing the same in Phoenix and he's averaging close to 13 and five a game, or he's, he's averaging close to 13, eight and five a game. I think the three headed monster of Devin Booker, Deandre Ayton, and Chris Paul, they all have the capability of taking this team to the playoffs, but at four and two right now, I feel like it is almost too early because we've seen Phoenix have an impressive start last season. And I think that this season there's a chance that they become a top five team in the Western conference. But I feel like in terms of becoming a contender, I think it's too early because I want to see guys like Jalen Smith develop because he was their 10th overall pick. I want to see how he – fits into the offensive scheme for Phoenix. I want to see if Mikkel Bridges can continue this, this impressive start that he's had to this season. I want to see if Cam Johnson can provide them like a lot of scoring off the bench. He's been doing it great so far. He's averaging just under 13 points a game. It's things like that where I have faith in Phoenix that they can become a contender down the road, but right now it's, it's too early.
1: Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing with Phoenix right now, the, the biggest takeaway for me right then right now is that everything we thought they would be entering this season coming off of the eight, uh, no seating game uh, bubble uh, performances that we saw. I think that stuff is building block material that they definitely have built on. um, I think I would have really loved this team a little bit more if they were able to keep Kelly Oubre in the midst of all the ma- the, the moves that they made. Of course, the biggest one being Chris Paul, if they could have kept U- Kelly Oubre as part of that, I think that would have been pretty huge for them. Um. Yeah, man. I think that this is a big thing for them overall in terms of taking that next step as a developing team. And, It's too early to call, but if the Chris Paul effect has anything to say about it, then they're going to be a dangerous team that hangs around in the Western Conference and maybe a team that has, you know, other teams in the conference on upset alert in the first round. And that's, that's impressive to go from a team that's been picking in the top parts of the lottery the last couple of seasons to being, you know, a dangerous out. In a fringe, you know, second round, maybe even Western Conference final caliber team. But they got a they they got a lot that's gonna have to lean their way. So our last team that we're
0: looking at is the Dallas Mavericks. Jalen, contender or pretender?
1: Big boy Debbie Downer on this one, bro. I I I really think that they're pretenders, bro. I and it's just because they rely so much on Luka Doncic, man. Like, Christos Porzingis' health consistency is – well, it's not there, you know? Consistency is not there for him in terms of being on the court. And then they're asking guys like Hardaway Jr. and Josh Richardson to, like, pick up slack in the in the scoring department that, like – I feel like they can do, like, on a night-to-night basis, but not consistently enough to make them a dangerous team in, in the Western Conference playoffs. Um, they're a team that caught the, the Clippers by, you know, by and large last year. I think they caught them by surprise for sure, but Kristaps had a lot to do with that. I think the pairing of Kristaps of and Luka makes them a playoff team. I think it makes them a dangerous playoff team. But I still think that they are one piece away, one all-star caliber player away, which is why the Giannis signing this offseason hurt them so significantly, I think, in terms of what their future looks like. They're one all-star caliber player away from being a true, true contender in the Western Conference. And although they have an MVP, MVP caliber player in Luka Doncic, I don't think Luka can carry an NBA team to a, to a title by himself. I don't think that he's that kind of player. I think he's a player that makes other guys around him better, but still needs one or two other all-star caliber talents to really, truly move the needle from just Dallas being a good team to Dallas being a great team. So I got to say pretenders right now, Kristaps's health has a lot to do with that. But I think even with Kristaps being healthy, they're still one piece away from being a big boy in the West.
0: I actually have to say TBD, and mainly for the re- reason that you mentioned with Kristaps Porzingis. I think with Kristaps Porzingis healthy, I think this team is a contender. But I want to see how the team progresses without him. So far, luca has been carrying the load. He leads the team in points, rebounds, and assists. But Tim Hardaway Jr. is still a consistent three-point shooter for them. Josh Richardson has been doing what he's been asked to do for this Dallas Mavericks team. Jalen Brudson leads the team in field goal percentage right now. And I know they're asking a lot of guys like Dwight Powell and Maxie Kleber to take the load of Chris epps while he's out. But I feel like when Chris Evans Porzingis comes back, Dallas becomes an instantly better team. I think this is almost the same case with Clay and the Warriors. I think that Luca can lead the team on his own, but he's going to need Chris Evans Porzingis going forward in order to maintain the Dallas Mavericks as a contender, and then also try to lead them to a championship. I think. They have a solid core of guys that are reliable scorers right now. Luka Doncic, Tim Hardaway Jr., Jalen Brunson, Josh Richardson. But I feel like the piece that they needed was Chris S. Porzingis. And now it's just a matter of when he's healthy, can Luka and Chris S. Porzingis carry the Dallas Mavericks to the NBA Finals? And I think that's a question that could
1: be answered this season. I think that this this season is going to be a really good litmus test for this team in terms of what they are going to look like moving forward. I think they have a lot of building blocks that are definitely – Tim Hardaway Jr. is a good player. Josh Richardson are is a good player. I think they have a lot of upside on their team. My worry is not about what kind of upside they have. My worry has more to do with what they look like right now in a Western conference that, that is a little bit more like close to the pack, but still a Western conference. That's going to be a tough out for any team to hang in right now. So I think my biggest thing for them is like you said, just testing the water and seeing what they look like once a guy in Christos Porzingis comes back healthy. And once we see that, that will tell us a lot about what their true upside is because when healthy, we've seen them take, you know, the Clippers far in the first round. And that's, that's an excellent sign for them. Um, But like you said, TBD, man, they've, they've got a lot to show us still.
0: So transitioning to our question of the day for our fans. Who is one team that you believe is a contender? And who is one team that you believe is a pretender? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk Podcast. Of course, make sure you subscribe to us on Apple. You rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace.